leaders, that you would guide them with wisdom and with righteousness. Father, we pray for those who gave the ultimate sacrifice. We lift up their families, those who gave their lives for our freedom, and we pray you'd comfort and strengthen and encourage those families. Father, for the men and women who suffered terrible catastrophic wounds and and hurts being in the military, that you would cover and protect them. Father, we pray this morning for those who have served and those who are currently serving, that your blessing, your grace, and your favor would be upon our military, upon the men and women who serve here and who are serving in foreign lands. Father, give our leaders wisdom as we fight tyranny and injustice throughout the world, that you lead and guide our military and our leaders. And I'm thankful, Father, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Praise God. Morning, everybody. Happy Memorial Day weekend. I so appreciate you being here. I know lots of people are busy doing other things and uh, hanging out and being with family and traveling, so I'm grateful that you're here. I'm going to continue uh, this morning talking about life. Uh, If my message this morning could have another title, it would be this, what I wished you knew about the Bible. What I wished you knew about the Bible. And what we found out last week Uh, In John, I'm going to read you that verse in just a minute, where Jesus said, if you feed on me, you'll have life. Here's the thing. The offer in Christianity has always been life. Always. John 3.16 says, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believed in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. Now, see, lots of people think Jesus came to bring us religion and rules, but that's not why he came. He came that you and I might have life. And we talked about that, eternal life. Okay, and see, we think eternal life is life that's going to start later. But what eternal life is, is life that never ends. You're living your eternal life right now. You see, the body of Christ is in two places. There's a whole bunch of us here on earth, and then there's a whole bunch of us in heaven. And the day's going to come when we're all going to be together. All right, so see, the offer of Christianity has never been religion. It's never been rules. It's been life, and I want you to understand that this morning. You see, you inherit the kingdom, not the pew. Jesus said that if you want life, you'll feed on me. All right, now I want to read that to you again this morning. John chapter 6, verse 57. It'll be up on the screen. Jesus said, it's the New Living Translation. He said, I live because of the living Father who sent me. In the same way, anyone who feeds on me will live because of me. Notice what it says in yellow. Anyone who feeds on me will live because of me. If I shortened that down, I would say this. Anyone who feeds on Jesus will live. Now, the question begs that we talked about last week, and I know this is just short review just to remind you, how do I feed on Jesus, Pastor? I can't literally eat his body. Well, the way you feed on Jesus is anytime you read the Bible, anytime you hear the Word of God, anytime you say the Word of God, you're feeding on Jesus, okay? You feed on Jesus by reading, hearing, and saying God's word, okay? You read and you say it. So what I said last week that I want to remind you of again this morning, stop reading your Bible and start feeding on your Bible, okay? Stop reading it, right? You know, you read your Bible for information. You don't have to ever do that again as long as you live, okay? Stop reading your Bible for information. It's not an encyclopedia, okay? It's a book of life, and it is, it, it's not filled with life. It is life. Think about all the places you go looking for life. 
Now, here's the thing. I've got good news and I've got bad news. The good news is this. Jesus said, if you feed on me, if you read my word, if you hear my word, if you meditate on my word, you're going to have life. All right, that's the good news. Here's the thing I want you to understand. Every one of you have a righteous discontent on the inside of you. I have it and you have it. A righteous, holy discontentment. What does that mean? Well, how come things aren't better? We've worked hard. We've gotten the right education. We have the right house. We have the right car. We've got all of our ducks in a row. We've got everything figured out. But there's just still that thing on the inside of me that won't go away. Can I tell you something? It's never going to go away until the kingdom is restored. See, you have that righteous discontentment on the inside of you, and you, want a big, you think a bigger house will fix it. You think a newer car will fix it. Whatever it is that you do to try to fill that void in your life. Now, you know Jesus is your Savior. I'm not talking about getting saved. I'm talking about that sense on the inside of you that how come things aren't better? Well, there's going to come a day where Jesus is going to restore all things, and all things will be made new. It doesn't say all things will be new. It says all things will be made new. See, here's the thing. You were created for paradise. That, that's why you got that thing on the inside of you. You were created for paradise. But we live in a fallen, broken world. So the offer's always been life. It's life. See, it's not religion. It's not rules. It's not the pew. And don't get me wrong. I love church. But the offer's the kingdom. We're going to get to hang out with God. All right? So Jesus said, if you feed on me, you'll have life. How do I feed on Jesus? Well, anytime you read the Bible, anytime you hear the Bible, anytime you say the Bible. See, if you'd get you some three-by-five cards and write some verses on them and put them on the visor of your car, and when you're driving to work, you say them out loud, my gosh, you're having your cake and eat it too. You're seeing it, you're saying it, and you're hearing it. And Jesus said that if you feed on my word, you'll have life. Now, remember what life was? True life, not, not fake, genuine. Okay, I remember when I was a kid one time, I had a football, and it said genuine leather. Anybody remember Naugahyde? Naugahyde. You know, again, they shot those people that made that, and they don't make it anymore, right? Remember, imitation leather? Okay, there is no such thing as imitation leather. It's either leather or it's not leather, right? Okay, Jesus said, if you'll feed on my word, you'll have true life. You'll have the life you're looking for. Now, you're not going to be completely satisfied in this life. That's not going to happen. But a lot of what you're looking for, you can have true life, whatever that looks like for you. Then here's the next thing he said. He said it means living water being poured over you and it's life exerted over you. Now, I'm reviewing but because I don't want you to miss this. Every time you read your Bible, it's like God takes a bucket of water and he pours it over you. And that living water, if you will. See, there's a river in heaven, and it's full of water, living water. It's the river of life, okay? Well, when you read the Scripture, it's like the river of life is poured over you, and it brings peace to your mind. It restores your soul. It cleanses your body. It heals you. It delivers you. It does all the things you need. See, you're not going through some kind of religious duty. You're drinking and taking in life. Because right below this verse, that's what Jesus said. He said, my words are spirit, and my words are life. So you don't read the Bible to try to be religious. You don't read the Bible to try to be a good Christian. You read the Bible just like you sit down and eat a steak and potatoes. You do it because it feeds you. Jesus said, if you feed on me, you'll live. All right, now, now everything I've said here is just review. I want to go to another verse, and I want to show you the next thing I want you to see this morning about this. Jesus said, if you'll feed on my words, you'll live. 
It'll be like living water. Now, we, you don't know that's in there. If you read it, you have to kind of study it and figure it out. But it says that living water will be poured over you. Now, the verse I'm going to read to you right now, you don't even have to dig. It says it. So let me read it to you. Now, I'm going to read two, I'm going to read two translations to you. I want to read the uh, New King James. So let me, let me get over there. The New King James, it'll be on the screen. Then I'm going to read the New Living Translation. And I want you to see something amazing. Now, let me set this up before I read this. Okay, the context of Ephesians, I believe it's Ephesians 5. Yeah, the context of Ephesians 5 is on marriage. Anytime I do a wedding, I read from Ephesians chapter 5. In Ephesians chapter 5, the verse right before this says that a man is supposed to love his wife like Christ loved the church. Okay, that, that's the context of this verse. It says that just as Christ gave himself for the church, Jesus died on the cross for the church, that as a man, you're supposed to love your wife the same way Jesus loved the church, which means what? You give yourself for her. Can I tell you something, men? There's only one kind of leader that you're supposed to be, and it's a servant leader. If you're a bully in your home, if you've got a bad attitude, if you've got bad voice tone, if you're the big shot, you're bogus. You're fake. You're not who you're supposed to be. See, I'm supposed to be a servant leader in my home. That's what Jesus is. See, Jesus didn't come to earth for himself. He came to earth for us. He gave himself for us. Amen? So that's the context of this verse. Then listen to what the next thing he says. He says, as the living Father sent me. Oh, I'm sorry. Excuse me. I'm, I'm on the wrong verse. I apologize. Let me go down a little further. There it is. Ephesians 5, 26. It says that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. Now, let me back up and show you two things in this. He's not talking about your wife or marriage. He's talking now about Jesus in the church. Look what he says. He says that he, he is Jesus. Okay. Jesus says that I'm going to sanctify and cleanse her. Who is her? Her is us, the church. See, if you know Jesus is your savior, you're in the church. Okay, so Jesus says, I, Jesus, I'm going to sanctify and cleanse my church with the washing of water by the word. Okay, you don't even have to study that to see what that says. What's it say? Every time you hear the word of God, Jesus is taking that word and he's washing you, he's sanctifying you, and he's cleansing you. Now, let me read it to you out of the uh, New Living Translation. Let me switch over there and listen to what this says. It says that he does what? To make her, the church, holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. Now, here's what I want you to see in this verse that's so amazing. See, again, you don't even have to study it. Every time you read your Bible, every time you hear your Bible, every time you say the word of God, Jesus himself is doing what? He's cleansing you, he's sanctifying you, and he's washing you. This translation says that he's making you holy. Now, I'm going to go back to the New King James Version, and I want to explain those two words for you because I don't want you to miss what it says. Okay, it says Jesus is going to sanctify you. Okay, now, another word for that is the word holy, and I so want you to understand this. Okay, holiness is not what a lot of you have been taught holiness is. Here's what holiness is. Holiness means to be set apart. Okay, I'm 12 years old, and the Baptist pastor comes to our home, and he sits on my mother's couch, and he shares the good news of the gospel. You know what the good news of the gospel is? You're forgiven. You're forgiven. Dad wants me to tell you to come on home. Okay? Imagine if you rob the bank somewhere and you're on the run, you're on the lamb running from the authorities, and then uh, somebody gets you a message and says, oh, the governor called and said, it's okay that you robbed the bank. You didn't take that much money. You're forgiven and you can come home. Oh, my gosh. Oh, wow, man. Right? Or you have a huge fight with your wife and you pack up some stuff and you leave and she calls and says, hey, all's forgiven. Go ahead and come on home. Okay, what's the good news of the gospel? You've been forgiven. See, here's the thing is, you don't act like you've been forgiven. 
I'm always dumbfounded. I mean, during praise and worship, it's like, okay, listen, you don't have to go to hell. You should go. You deserve to go. I deserve to go, right? I'm not trying to pick on you. The good news is you've been forgiven. So here's what happened. That pastor came to our house, and he said, hey, Rusty, you've been forgiven if you'll accept Jesus as your Savior. And I said, I believe I'll have some of that. And when I did, Jesus picked me up by the collar, and he took me from the kingdom of darkness, and he plopped me down in his kingdom. The Bible says in Ephesians, I was instantly transferred from darkness to light. And Jesus made me holy. What does holy mean? Holy means set apart. You see, I was serving the devil. The devil was my father. I didn't know God. I was his enemy. But when I said yes to Jesus, when you said yes to Jesus, you went from darkness to light. The Bible says darkness has no power over you. Because you see, I've been adopted. I've been placed as a son. And now I belong to God. And I've been set apart. I've been made holy. Do you see it? Okay, now here's what the church has done. The church has told you that holiness is religious behavior. But it's not religious behavior. It's position. Okay, now listen to me. Don't miss this. What's religious behavior? Well, I got to wear my hair a certain way. I got to wear the right kind of clothes. Uh, I can't wear any makeup if I'm a lady. I can't go to the movie. I've got all these things I can't do because I'm trying to be holy. Listen, you can't do anything to be holy You can't do anything to set yourself apart from God. The only thing that does that is the blood of Jesus. When I received Christ as my Savior, I was dropped into his kingdom. I was placed as a son, and now I'm holy. It's a position. Do you understand? Are you with me? See, you don't do anything. Let me tell you something else about holiness. Have you ever been in stores and you see those folks who are good Christian people, and I'm not picking on them, and the ladies have on long dresses and they have a little thing on their head, and you know what they're trying to do? They're trying to be holy. And here's what's interesting. You ever notice how the men look exactly like you do, but the women don't? That's because anything that has to do with religion generally oppresses women. Listen, Islam oppresses women. The devil hates Eve. Are you with me? So anytime you think, I wonder if this is religion, how does it treat women? Okay, if they have to dress different, if they have to act different, if they have to look different, different, that's religion. Religion will kill you. Religion's oppressive. So you've been made holy. Who made you holy? Jesus did. I was watching National Geographic one day. And they, they were doing a story in Japan, and these men climbed this huge, tall mountain, and they got up to where this glacier was, and it was melting, and it made this big, huge, beautiful, ice-cold waterfall. And these Japanese men stripped down to their little Japanese underwear. You know, they're not like my underwear. It's kind of like a diaper thing, you know, like the sumo wrestlers. Well, they had their little Japanese underwear on, and they each one by one went, and they got under this ice-cold waterfall where the melted water was running off the glacier because that area had been deemed holy and that water was washing their sin away there's only one problem with that water won't wash your sins away only blood will and only the blood of the lamb of jesus christ now i don't want you to be confused this morning i want to make it to you very clear about what i'm talking about when you accepted jesus christ as your savior you were washed clean once and for all, forever. You are in right standing with God this morning if you know Jesus as your Savior. 
What I'm talking about is as you live your daily life and the junk of the world gets on you, when you read the Word of God, it washes that stuff off of you. I'm not talking about being washed so you can be right with God. Because if you know Jesus, you're already right with God. Are you, are you following me? So see, it's not about, well, I've got to read my Bible a bunch, then I'll get washed enough, then God will be happy with me. If you know Christ, you are righteous. I watched another show where a lady in India had this little temple set up in her house. And, and she was worshiping these gods, and she would put milk out. And she poured milk over this little temple, this little idol. And then the rats would come up and lick, drink the milk. Okay? And she was worshiping her God. There's only one problem. Milk won't save you. Water won't save you. Only blood saves you. Okay, Pastor, why do we get baptized? Because I'm letting everybody know what's happened to me. Just like what Kurt said, it's an outward expression of an inward change. I'm buried with Christ and raised to newness of life, and everybody knows it. That water doesn't save me. That water doesn't cleanse me. It's only, listen, if you get baptized and you don't know Jesus, you just took a bath. You just need some soap and a towel. Amen? Water won't save you. What saves you is the blood. Now listen to what it says. It says that Jesus sanctifies you. He's made you holy. He has set you apart. Now here's the next thing it means. This is going to blow your mind. It means freedom from evil things and ways to right ways. Now let me say it again. I don't want you to miss this. Okay, when Jesus sanctifies you, when you read the Bible, what does it do? It takes you from, it makes you free, excuse me, from evil things and ways to righteous ways. Another thing it says is wholeness. Now, here's where I don't want you to get confused. See, when you hear that, you know, I know if you think like I do, I know exactly what you think. Oh, my gosh, I've got to start doing the right thing. I've got to start being right. I've got to start behaving. I've got to quit being involved in evil things and evil ways. But here's what happens. When you read the Scripture, life puts pressure on you, not, not a weird pressure, but it drives that junk out of you and fills you with life. See, God does it. You don't do it. All right, are you with me? Okay, now I want to I quote another verse. It's Isaiah 10, 27. Would you put that up? Now, I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'm just going to read the bottom part. It says, the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. Listen to me. What's the anointing? All that is is God's presence. Okay, you know what lots of churches think the anointing is? And the wilder you act, the more it's anointed. Right? I scared you, didn't I? Yeah, some of you were half asleep. You woke up. My God, what's pastor doing? Right? You been in those services? I've been in those services where you swung from the light fixtures. And if you didn't have worship for an hour, an offering for an hour, and preaching for an hour, and you didn't have church until we couldn't hardly get out of the building, there wasn't any anointing. That's not what it means. Now, listen, I grew up in the charismatic movement. I've been to those services. I can be wilder than you've ever thought about being. I can outwild you on your best day. But it's not the anointing. Oh, we're trying to get the anointing. We're trying to work it up, right? But that's not what it means. You know what the anointing means? God's presence. That's all it means. God's presence. You know what Jesus promised? If you'll gather together in this building, I'll show up and hang out with you. And when I show up and hang out with you, you know what's going to happen? That junk that's on you is going to get broken off. That's what the yoke is. 
See, the yoke is all the junk that hangs on to you every day that you even feel like you didn't even want to come today because of the stuff that's hanging on you. But when you get in God's presence, the anointing, and see, we had worship and praise and the anointing was here. I'm preaching the word, so you know what? The anointing is here. I'm washing you with the water of the word. And you know what happens? All of a sudden, you're getting peace in your mind. All of a sudden, that pain that you had in your elbow that hadn't gone away for three months, this, in the morning, you'll get up and think, man, wonder what's wrong with my, my elbows. My God. Honey, honey, my elbow's better. Have you been putting Tylenol in my coffee? See, you'll get better from God, but then you'll try to give everybody credit but God, right? And I do it too. We all do it. I wonder, well, it must be the raisin bran, you know, right? Man, you know, I'm exercising now. I'm walking. Man, I'm going to the Y. Man, I'm feeling better. I should have done this a long time ago. And there's nothing wrong with any of that. But what does it say? It says the anointing. And here's the thing. I don't want you to miss this. Listen, every time you come to church, stuff is broken off you and stuff is washed off you. That's why you need to be here. See, that's why you need to be here. And see, people who come every six weeks, every two months, it doesn't work very good because they're not here enough. See, I'm not coming here to please God. I'm not coming here so you'll be happy with me. I'm coming here because I need it. And I need that junk washed off me that's been on me this week. Well, you're here because you're the preacher. No, I went to church before I was the preacher. You see what I'm saying? It's not religious compulsion. Do you understand? See, well, I'm here because I'm supposed to be. No, I'm here because I got stuff on me and I want to get it washed off. Now, let me show you the next thing this says. It says that he might sanctify. What sanctify mean? To make you holy, to take you from evil things to righteous ways. You know what happens when you go to church and, the read, and you read the Bible? You know what will happen to you? Your wanter will change. Your wanter. What do you mean, pastor? All that stuff you've been wanting in your life, all of a sudden you'll start having different desires. You won't be drawn to darkness anymore. You won't be fooled by the world anymore. You won't believe their lies anymore. You won't believe the malarkey the devil's been feeding you your whole life. And you'll start wanting God. And you don't make it happen. He does it supernaturally. Because you're reading the word. And all of a sudden, you know what happens? You become a different person. And so you know what we've all been told? Is religion makes that happen. And religion doesn't make nothing happen. But when you get in this place, and you come on Sunday, and during the week you read your Bible, all of a sudden that stuff starts coming off of you. And you know what happens? Well, you become a different person. And you don't do it to please God. You do it because you need to change. Are you with me? See, religion won't do that. But the Bible will. All right, now let me show you the next thing it says. It says that he might sanctify and cleanse you. The word cleanse means free from impurity, to be spotless or to be made clean. Now let me make, I want to make something very clear because I don't want, I've talked about this, but I don't want you to miss it. You're not doing this to be pure before God. You're already pure before God because of the blood of Jesus. You're doing this so you can live the life you want to live. And it gets that stuff off of you. And it'll bring peace into your mind. And you'll wake up at night and think, hey, I haven't, I haven't worried in three or four days. Or it'll thunder and lightning and you'll turn over and go back to sleep instead of getting up running for the Freddy hole. Because you're not afraid anymore. Or you'll hear a creak at night and you don't lay awake thinking, I hope nobody's gotten in the house. Because you don't have fear anymore. Or you have an ache in your body and you don't immediately think, oh, I hope I don't have cancer. Because you don't have that fear anymore. Are you following me? It changes you, and you begin to have peace in your mind. You begin to have peace in your heart. You begin to have hope 
Because it's washing over you. It's washing over you. See, when I say, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. The word is washing over me, and life is being exerted on me. See, darkness is not being exerted on me. Death is not being exerted on me. Life is being exerted on me. And the word cleanse means to be free from impurity, to be spotless, to be made clean. You know what religion says? You better step up your game. You better get busy. You better get after it. You better start jumping a little higher. Here's the problem with that. No matter how high you jump, it's never enough. Because the next time you got to jump even higher. Correct? All right, you know what Jesus says? I've done it. I've purified you. I've made you free. I've made you spotless. And I've made you clean. And you're welcome in my presence. And every time you read the word of God, you're feeding on Jesus. Now, here's the last thing I want you to understand. I want you to stop doing whatever you're doing to please God out of religious compulsion. Okay, what does that mean? Well, I'm reading my Bible because I have to, and I have this religious compulsion that I've got to read my Bible. I've got to be in church because I want God to be pleased with me. And I want you to move from that into a place of I read my Bible because I'm feeding on life. I go to church because I'm feeding on life. I'm in the house of God on Sunday because I'm fellowshipping with other believers. And my sword is being sharpened and I'm being encouraged. And I'm feeding on spirit and life. And when I get up in the morning or I go to bed at night or at lunchtime and I take a couple of minutes and read my Bible, I'm not doing it to please God. I'm doing it because I'm feeding on life. I'm feeding on the spirit of God. Now, listen, I exercise because I believe exercise is a smart thing to do. I don't exercise to be a muscle man or do any of that because all I want to do is be healthy. And we have a YMCA here, and I go there, and I exercise. And, and I do a whole body workout. I'm doing some cardio. Vicky and I walk in the morning because I want to feel good and I want to be healthy. But I've noticed when I'm at the Y for 40 minutes, and I can do a complete body workout, there'll be guys in there, and they don't do anything but exercise their arms for 40 minutes. And they do this, and they do this, and they do this, and they do this. Like the only things they have is arms. What about all the rest of this stuff? Right? And they get so much weight on there, they have to lean into it, and they grunt, and they groan, and then they go over by the mirror. (laughs) And all they exercise is their arms. They don't do anything else. And they do this, and they do this, and they do this, and they do this. And I do my whole entire body. And I leave and they're still grunting. Now, don't misunderstand me, okay? I'm not, I'm not picking on them. Exercise is important. But here's the thing. We spend all this time on the outside and no time on the inside. And see, I'm all big and muscular on the outside, but I'm a puny wimp on the inside. And spiritually, the devil kicks sand in my face. Because I'm weak and anemic on the inside. Here's what I'm saying to you. You need to be feeding and taking care of your body. But you need to be feeding and taking care of your spirit. And just like I'm trying to eat healthy for my body and I'm trying to exercise. I've got to eat healthy and feed on the word of God. And it makes my spirit strong and it washes me and it renews me and it cleanses me. Paul said in the New Testament that bodily exercise profits little. But let me give you the true translation. It says it's only good for this life. I'm not saying don't exercise. Exercise is, why am I doing it? So I can be healthy. So I can be who God's called me to be. Amen? Okay, but you got to do something to take care of your spirit. See, a lot of you neglect, you know, a lot of those guys, they, they spend all that time physically, but they don't spend any time spiritually. Jesus said, if you feed on me, you'll have life. True, genuine, 
life. And it will wash over you like living water. And you will be purified. You'll be renewed. You'll be refreshed. And you'll be changed. And just like physical exercise will change your body, it will change your body. Spiritually renewing yourself in the Word of God will change you on the inside. Then you know what happens? You're strong spiritually. And you know who you are. And you know what God's done for you in your life. And then you enjoy God's presence. Amen? Amen. Y'all stand up and let's pray. Stop reading and start feeding. Amen? Amen. Was that Rogelio? Oh, he's back there. He's usually on the front row. Oh, there he is right there. All right, let's pray, y'all. Father, we love you. Lord, I'm thankful for your word. I'm thankful that it's spirit and it's life. It's not just words. It's not religion, but it's life. Lord, I pray for every person here this morning that they would be strengthened and refreshed and encouraged from being in this place and that the stuff they brought in has been washed off of them and that we're freer than we were. We have more peace than we did. We have more hope than when we came in the door because you are working in us. We're not working it. You're working it. Lord, I'm so thankful. Lord, I know religion is do, 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 where Christianity is done, done, done. Thank you, Jesus, that you've done the work, and we just feed on it. It's in Jesus' name I pray this morning. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Y'all going to be blessed. Y'all have a great rest of your Memorial Day weekend. I'm grateful that y'all were here.